Talking NFL draft, defensive end, futures, and new ownership goals with Washington Commanders beat reporter for The Athletic, Ben Standing. That's coming right now on Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome, Commanders fans, to the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders. Please subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts so you always get the latest episodes when they drop. I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media covering your Washington Commanders for Commander Country, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. You can find me there, here, or on Twitter at dharrison82 or text me anytime at 202-760-2644. Thank you for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or view today and every day. Every day, or thanks for coming back through here as we build up towards the NFL draft. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the App Store. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in all caps inside the game. All right, guys, we're pleased to have Ben Standig, senior NFL writer covering the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. If you don't already know, you can find him on Twitter at Ben Standig and also find his podcast, Standig Room Only. Always great stuff going there. Ben has a first round mock draft up right now on the pod. Uh, has my buddy Trevor Sikama, former Buccaneers beat reporter. I remember Trevor when he was only locally famous and now Trevor out there doing really big things uh, from Pro Football Focus. Now Trevor Sikama is joining in on the fun there. So make sure you check that out. And Ben, let's start there because... Uh, not only do you have that first round mock, you have your final first round mock up on the athletic uh, as well, which in my opinion is worth the price of the subscription. But you also have a six mock draft, like multiverse. I'm a Marvel guy, so it's like a multiverse <laughs> of mock drafts. Um, and I'll tell you, man, like I couldn't do the six mock drafts that you did, but I thought it was brilliant. And I think that no matter like commanders family, no matter how they want the commanders to draft, I think you address pretty much as many possibilities as you possibly could. And you you flex in your Twitter bio that you are a what three time mock drafting champion. I don't really know what that means, so maybe you can explain that a little bit. But what is it about mock drafting that obviously kind of uh, draws your attention? Yeah, you don't need to know what it means. It's uh, you know it doesn't impress people, especially not the ladies. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I I don't know. I just always like the idea of figuring. Like I've always viewed football more from the from the general manager seat than the coach's seat. I mean, I know people love to critique. They should have run this play. They should have done that, um, which I get, of course. But yeah, I've always liked the idea of just like roster building and like where, where you know where should you put your assets in and things along those lines. So uh, yeah, that, that's just always it's drawn uh, itself uh, to me. By the way, I, I, I my memory is terrible, but I think I was like I don't know if I was the first one, but I think I might have been the first host of the Locked On Commanders podcast a hundred years ago because I used to do the Locked On Wizards. Oh, really? And I think okay. I was, I don't remember, but yeah, I think I was. <laughs> so this is weird to be back on here now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, I remember you did locked on wizards commanders. You no, know, I'm, I'm obviously very new to the commanders beat. So I'm not uh, fully, fully tuned into that. But I remember uh, Greg Allman, former, uh, formerly of the athletic now with Fox sports at the time was with Tampa Bay times was the original host of the locked on bucks podcast, which is uh, another show that I do here on this network. So we always call him the godfather of locked on bucks. Uh, I'll start to call you. The Godfather nah, nah. of Locked On Commanders. The Locked On Wizards, I'll take for sure. But this one, nah, yeah. I, don't, I, I, I don't remember what even happened. But, you know, who knows? 
you know, such a long time ago. Yeah. And, and a lot of obviously happened, but, uh, but Ben, obviously the NFL draft coming up Thursday, I know you have your final mock draft out. I know who you picked in that mock draft, but my question really is, is that kind of the guy that you've identified or, or does it just kind of one of those things where it's like, man, we got to pick somebody. So this is kind of in that scenario, the best guy that I picked. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about Darnell, Wright, The, uh, offensive tackle from Tennessee. I mean, look, you know, I'm trying to remind myself of this as we're getting here to the very end is that remind myself what I, what, what were the basic ideas of where this team was looking for help and go all the way back to the beginning and offensive line clearly was the biggest issue. I mean, they admitted as much that they needed to, to revamp it. And I know they went out and signed Andrew Wiley and Nick Gates and, and that's, fine and hopefully those guys will help but I, I still just don't see there's enough star potential on this line that there's not enough upside um you know the, the the knock on darnell Wright is that he may only be quote unquote a right tackle he can play guard as well but not a left tackle okay uh because that's he he shined at the, at the right side last year but that's fine i mean you got to get help somewhere on the line and you know they still have questions at guard. If you were to draft, uh, if you were to draft him, then you could move him either to guard or tackle. Wiley doing the other with Cosme at the other guard, and all of a sudden that line's looking a bit more interesting. And I, I just a firm believer you can have all the playmakers you want. If you don't have a line, doesn't matter. But it, yeah. but it, but it flips the other way. If you have a line, it can make everything else look so much better. And of course, with Sam Howell, you know, a young quarterback having more help there works. The question will be, is right on the board or for that matter, or any of the top four offensive linemen projected in this draft on the board? I think that's a big, that's a huge question, but yeah, that that's kind of where I landed right now. Absolutely. That is, that is a huge one. And that's something that we actually dove into in my live mailbag uh, on Tuesday. So yeah, that's a big question that's coming up here on Thursday night. And then um, I think it's I think it's fair to look at the offensive line. There's an old saying in football, right? It's really hard to be a bad team with a good offensive line, and it's really hard to be a good team with a bad offensive line. And whether it's due to injury, rotations, and experience, whatever you want to dub it up to, last year the Washington Bears just did not have a good enough of an offensive line situation, obviously. Um, now, is Darnell Wright filling that offensive line need? Is that your top need for the commanders as well going into day one? Or was he just the best player at a position of need? Do you have a different position group that might be kind of more important in your eyes, just not as talent filled at number 16? No, I mean, I think that's the number one need. I mean, the other, the, the co-top need has been cornerback slash defensive back. Uh, that that caveat there is in case Brian Branch from Alabama is more safety than corner, but can play the slot would be the answer. Um in terms of the starting lineup on both sides of the ball, if they played a game tomorrow, which, yes, I know they don't, the one spot that I just don't know what they would do is that fifth defensive back, the role that Bobby McCain had last year, which isn't to say it needs to be a safety, but it could be. Just I, I don't know. If, I don't know that Percy Butler is ready for that, and there's no obvious third corner. So I think that is one for the immediate need. And, and you know, with Kendall Fuller, a free agent after this year, you know, th th there's something to be considered there too, but the offensive line just across the board, I, I don't feel particularly confident in almost any of the spots and brought out a, a starting five tomorrow though, be because mm. of the moves that they made, but it still feels like I said, they just need some more punch there. So yeah, I would say offensive line one cornerback one, a, the good thing of course, in theory with cornerback is it is considered a pretty deep class. So if you waited, 
you may be still be able to get some help. I think they like some offensive linemen on day two as well uh, in round two. So, you know, they could flip that. And I think that's a possibility. And like I said, if, yeah. if Wright's not there, they may have no choice but to go in a different direction. More coming up with Ben Standing of The Athletic covering the NFL draft and goals for the new owners once they take over on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're going to do that thanks to our friends over at Ultimate Football GM. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard me talk about this game before. If you ever thought you would make a good NFL GM, then you've got to give this game a try. It's not as easy as you might think, so make sure you give yourself a little bit of a learning curve. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you are in control of everything as you try to lead your team, not just through a successful season, but trying to build that historic dynasty You start off with the worst roster in football, the number one overall pick, and a lot of decisions to make. Take my advice for it. You want to make sure that your coaches match your players and they have the right attributes. I mean, that's the only hint I'm going to give you. All of this is going down in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want, where you want. Locked On Commanders listeners, you get a 100% free boost to your franchise when you use the promo code Locked On in all caps inside the game store that's locked on in all caps make sure you check it out today download the game just go to ultimate-gm.com or look it up in your app store that's ultimate-gm.com ultimate football gm start your dynasty today thanks again for making a long talk man your first listen or your first view every single day every day is out there join kyle Krabs, joe marino and other locked on nfl experts on the Locked On NFL Scouting YouTube page for live NFL draft coverage presented by Ultimate Football GM. Kyle and Joe will be going live for all of rounds one, two, and three. And then on Saturday, they'll get you caught up after each round. Join the draft dudes for the first round live on Thursday night on YouTube at the Locked On NFL Scouting page at 7.30 Eastern time. I am considering if I can fit it into my draft day schedule, uh, making an appearance on the uh, live broadcast as well. Ben Standig, senior NFL writer, covering the Washington Commanders for The Athletic on Twitter at Ben Standig. And, of course, you can find his podcast, podcast Standing Room Only. Ben, uh, the biggest need is the offensive line. You kind of mentioned it. They've done some work on the offensive line this offseason. I think, for the most part, you know, not, not any, like, world-breaker type of guys added, but some very solid players added. Obviously, some experience uh, from Andrew Wiley with Eric Bieniemy's methodology and system and all that stuff. So what do you like about kind of what they've done this offseason? And then is there one specific, whether it be a position, whether it be a guy, one specific question mark you still think is is a hole or just, just something that you're not confident in on that offensive line? Yeah, I mean, it seems like their basic goal was to, uh, I think this was said by somebody, but basically they wanted to add enough pieces so they weren't shopping at the grocery store while hungry, you know, like uh, something I need to learn how to do. Um, <laughs> I guess you could say they've done that. You know, they picked up cornerback uh, Cameron Dantzler off of uh, waivers. He was a third round pick for the Vikings a, a few years back. The, you know, the, mentioned the offensive line. They had Kobe Barton at linebacker to replace Cole Holcomb. They did. They did their, therefore met their goal. I mean, you could add mm-hmm. Jacoby signing Jacoby Brissett to that as well. They met their goal of that where they're not desperate in any of those spots. I just don't know that they massively improved either. Uh, right. You know, it, it, I mean, at least a lot of these picks feel somewhat, or signings feel somewhat underwhelming, which isn't to say they're, you know, uh, bad choices. It's just, eh, you know, th- there was not a lot of oomph 
there. I mean, the big move, of course, was was retaining Deron Payne, but um, that that that's kind of it. So you know, they've given themselves opportunity to kind of go whatever direction they want in the draft, which is why I think even like say defensive end is a possibility at sixteen. But you know, it it doesn't. It, it I'm not moved to think as we stand right now. They're definitely jumping ahead of the Giants or the Cowboys uh, in the division. Mm-hmm. Injuries are always the X factor, of course, but, you know, right. fine. But, like, I'm not like, wow, they're, they're, here, here they go. Yeah, no, so, I mean, we saw a season-ending injury to Dak Prescott completely derail the Cowboys season a couple years ago. If, you know, knock on wood, it doesn't happen, but Jalen Hurts suffers the same fate. This next season, you know, the division could once again be suddenly wide open. Uh, you talk about cornerback, defensive back, really kind of being that one alpha need. For the Washington Commanders, Benjamin St. Juice has, has been someone who's been really interesting to me this offseason from a projection standpoint. Started last season's training camp, training as a nickel. That's where he was He was starting the season. And then uh, due to extenuating circumstances, got moved outside. And I think did fairly well, right, until injury kind of caught up with him. Do you do you have a sense on where Benjamin St. Juice might play this season? Do you have a gut feeling on kind of is he going to stay outside of Is he going to go back inside because i know zach selby and i we had this conversation i think he's staying outside i think that's what i would do if i were jack del rio and ron rivera but what do you what do you think about benjamin st juice future and how that impacts the nfl draft yeah it's a great question i mean you know who if they take a defensive back somewhere high in the draft you know they're you know i I have a sense that there's some interest in emmanuel forbes the guy the uh, Mm -hmm. cornerback from mississippi state who weighs 166 pounds but returned six of his 14 interceptions for touchdowns and there's a lot of playmaking ability there but i feel like he's maybe more of an outside guy so mm-hmm. if that would be the case then either yeah st juice or fuller who had historically had been had some success in the slot could move inside but then if you go with say a brian branch who is like i said more of a safety by position but is a real slot corner can play around like then that takes care of your slot guy and St. Juice can stay outside. I, I'm kind of with you on the idea of keeping him outside. He really, you know, he got it. He, his, his hands are around the ball a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't always necessarily make the catch, but like his, you know, he, he was around the ball. Um, and I liked what he did. Uh, I guess I don't know if that would, it would preclude me from drafting another outside guy mm-hmm. if I had to move him inside or fuller. Um but yeah, I mean, I think I think St. Hughes was a, was a, was a totally uh, good player. That stretch of time when they really were were, were were getting hot there a little bit during the middle of the year. I think St. Hughes and Derek Forrest are really uh, adept at playmaking and and, and being more aggressive uh, for that defense, and that definitely helped a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting too because I mean, if you if you just take the best defensive back on the board when you decide to pull the trigger on that position, and say it isn't an outside guy, say it is Emmanuel Forbes. I mean, you could also run a system where Fuller and St. Juice are your two outside corners, but then when you're in sub package, which granted is like 70% plus of the time, one of those two guys moves inside based on the matchups. It gives Jack Del Rio a little bit of versatility. Uh, of course, another big topic this offseason, Ben, has been Chase Young, the fifth-year option, whether or not Ron Rivera is going to exercise it, decline it. He was asked about the pre-draft press conference, kind of gave, I think, kind of the predictable answer uh, that, that most of us pretty much expected him to give that there's not going to be a decision or at least hinting that there may not be a decision announced before the end of business on May 2nd. Uh, I've been on record saying, I don't think they're picking it up. What do you, what do you think about the, uh, the Chase Young fifth year option? Yeah, I've uh, written and talked about this a lot. The idea that I kind of don't think they should. Uh, 
you know, look, people misunderstand this a little bit. He's still on the team for this season. They're still going to get the look to see what he can do. And sure, there is a world where he blows up and then they have to either, you know, give him a a bigger extension or, you know, the the franchise tag, which would be more costly than the 17.45 million. But at the same time, I, I, I just don't see a world where you can keep Chase Young and Montez Sweat on top of Allen and Payne. Right. And therefore, I'd rather if you pick if you don't pick up the option, then you have the then you have an option to sign Chase Young or Montez Sweat longer term. And I think yep. that to me is key because Montez Sweat is been right now the better player. And I, I don't want to limit myself by paying Chase Young a lot of money when we all see the potential, but it just hasn't happened for between the injury. But he wasn't that good in his sophomore year before the injury. So, um, I, you know, I would not, whether they don't, I, I would probably lean towards no, but it, it's a little bit of an odd one. I, I will just say, also say the fact that Rivera at the um, owner's meeting said he would punt on making a decision, so to speak, until the new owner got on board, which I don't know if that's happening by May 2nd. Um, right. And then when he's told us that he, when I asked him, have you made a decision? He says, we have till May 2nd. I'm like, well, that's not the same thing as saying you have made a decision. So there's just, yeah. there's just not a lot of momentum towards they're going to keep him. I, I don't know why you would hide all this. I think that the draft could be a factor. Like if the board works a certain way and like a Lucas Van Ness from Iowa is there at 16, they might be like, you know what? This guy's too good to pass on. We're taking him and we're going to decline the option and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that certainly could be a factor. I think, you know, I think if if I had to kind of try to predict what's going on in Ron's head, which is a dangerous thing to try to do anytime. But I think that, you know, if you come away with an edge rusher that you feel confident maybe could develop into a 2024 starter opposite one of those two guys, then maybe you decline it. But if you I mean, if you come away with nothing, like if, if, the, if the ball just the, the board just falls to where you get nobody, I mean, you might just have really no choice but to go ahead and exercise just to keep a guy with at least a potential Montez Sweat is an interesting prospect as well. Um, I've kind of had this conversation. I mean, the 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 stance that I've kind of taken on this, Ben, is like decline Chase Young's fifth-year option. Don't extend Montez Sweat. Let both these guys go in with expiring contracts. Basically tell them, whoever does the best is getting paid. You know what I mean? And, and just kind of let the chips fall where they are there. Target an edge probably early day two or at least somewhere in day two if you can to start developing maybe a BJ Ojolari out of LSU. And I think most of my listeners kind of agree with that path, but there are some listeners, I would say probably more of a minority, but some want to see this team trade Chase Young or Montez Sweat before, you know, because ideally if you're not going to resign them after the season, they probably had a bad year. And then if you have the fifth year option on Chase Young and he has a bad year, you're obviously not going to get much in a trade for him. Do you think there's even a feasible world where Montez Sweat or Chase Young are traded during the draft weekend? I mean, I guess I would say never say never, but right. the other factor here is Ron Rivera's probably needs to have a good winning season and and have, um, you know, maybe even win a playoff game to keep the job. You got a new owner; he hasn't had a winning record yet in in, in any of the seasons here. Now, if you do, if you've traded one of those guys before the draft and you get back whatever you get back then you can use those picks and those guys could in theory help you as well, or you, you, you hope they would, but you know, we don't know all we're looking at are, 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 are names on a paper. It could be, I don't know versus yeah. it, you know, if they think that chase young is going to be a better player this year, regardless of whether he's worthy of the 
17.45 million or a bigger deal or whatever, uh, you know, is that better than whatever you might get in a trade? And I think that's also the other thing, like for him specifically, I don't know what the trade market is for him because Mm -hmm. of the circumstances. If there's a team out there betting on his pass rush potential, well then that could still net you a pretty good haul. But um, yeah, I, I, I would say there's probably a smaller chance of that um, than, you know, a smaller chance of a trade, I, I would say, than the think there would be one. Couldn't get all of your mailbag questions into our live mailbag episode, so I kicked one over to this conversation with Ben. I'll ask him that question coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, and we're going to do that thanks to our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. That's built. You got to try this. Built bars are healthy and they taste amazing. They taste so amazing. You're not even going to realize it's good for you. They're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. These bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros with only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, packing 17 grams of protein. You can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's club while your specialty flavors can be found at built.com. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of hit flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff. Just had a churro puff yesterday. That bad boy is on point. Make sure you head to built.com. Check out the new peanut butter puff and cookies and cream puff. I've got my order of both of those coming in over at (laughs) built.com. We're talking to Ben Standig, senior NFL writer, covering the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, host of the Standig Room Only podcast on Twitter at Ben Standig. And Ben, we've been talking about a lot of draft stuff. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, I agree with you. I mean, Jeff Okuda just just grew a fifth-round pick, right, for, for the Detroit Lions in that trade. You know, Jeff Okuda, Chase Young, I think the national belief is still a little bit higher in Chase Young than it is in Jeff Okuda. But if Okuda got a fifth, I don't know how much higher you're getting for Chase, and I think that certainly factors kind of into that. But Ben, I've got a mailbag question uh, that, that I wanted to ask you. My bail, mailbag dropped on Tuesday. I've got a lot of questions coming in with draft night coming up. So I wanted to get your opinion on this one. Uh, Jay wanted to know which running backs in the NFL draft you feel like could be a replacement for J.D. McKissick. Yeah, um, it's a good question. I So a couple things here. One, so obviously J.D. McKissick is your pass catching, change of pace kind of running back. Um, I, I don't think you have to make a huge investment in that, especially when you mm-hmm. have other needs. And on top of it, you have Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. I don't know how much, like, this was the thing about McKissick. Like, you know, I, you know, I hope he's okay for himself, but like, you know, even if he was back, I don't know how much work he was ultimately going to get. So I don't think you have to spend a lot. That said, Gibson's a free agent after this year. And, you know, unless I think Jared Patterson, can ascend to be that replacement. They probably do need somebody. Um, a, a guy I've been putting in a lot of my mock drafts is uh, Deuce Vaughn, this uh, mm-hmm. five foot nothing dynamo out of Kansas State. Um, he's he's somebody that I think could do that. I think Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia, not the fastest guy in the world, but caught um, over forty passes last year for the national champs. Uh, I think a couple guys like that could be interesting. I, I honestly haven't even really looked at running backs in say day two. Because mm-hmm. I just can't see them doing it. I, I mean, it's a need, but it's not that big of a need. Right. Realistically, I think you can get by with Jonathan Williams and Jared Patterson or 
you know, like I said, draft somebody late and somewhere on day three, uh, that, that would probably be enough, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I think day three is, is pretty much the target area you're looking at there. I mean, I think Tajay Spears out of Tulane is kind of like my favorite guy yep. in this class just as a standup. I think he's a late day two guy. So again, if you're if day two is too rich for the commanders in this situation, then probably not going to end up there. Chase Brown out of Illinois, I think kind of comes to mind for me. Bigger back, but still a passing game contributor. And then Muhammad Ibrahim out of Minnesota is intriguing, but I'm also an Ohio State fan. So I kind of watched him against the Buckeyes specifically. He really kind of uh, intrigued me there. So yeah, some some good names. And then again, Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia is certainly one I think worth watching there for for Jay and everybody else who's looking for that JD McKissick replacement. Uh, ben, final draft question now: Logan Thomas, uh, the tight end, someone that earlier in the offseason there was kind of a lot of, of of talk about maybe he gets released and and is no longer a part of the team, but obviously he's still there. This tight end class, though, one of the best we've seen probably in the last decade, if not longer. How do you stack the current tight end group in Washington versus the class coming out? And even though it seems like we've got a lot of good guys in that tight end room for, for the commanders, do you still think there is a possibility that a tight end gets added from the top of this class? I mean, I I, I would have. That would have been my thought, but they've kind of beaten it out of me to because they've constantly just kept talking up with Cole Turner or Marnie Rogers, Curtis Hodges. Yeah. And I get it, uh, but at the same time, like you said, this happens to be a really impressive draft class for this position. So it would feel odd to not take advantage of it when, you know, Cole Turner and Armani Rogers, interesting or not, combined for seven catches last year. Uh, you know, the Logan Thomas part of it, I definitely thought he would be a, a, a salary cap uh, candidate. And and I would note that they, they're going to have to make some moves towards the salary cap because they're underwater right now when you factor in signing of picks. So right. whether it's restructures or releases, something's going to have to give. But you would kind of almost think if you were going to replace Logan Thomas, it would be with another veteran, seeing as how John Bates, Rodgers, and Turner have a combined four years of NFL experience. Uh, and Hodges didn't even play last year. So that would be my only thought there. But I, I, in my sort of main – in the mock draft, I, did, I didn't have a tight end there. I Like I said, I just kind of went with what they're saying. and. You know, I, I do understand, like with Armani Rogers in particular, that he was able to do what he did last year, make, you know, look impressive in camp, make the team for a guy that was playing quarterback in college, I think is a pretty interesting uh, situation to see how he develops. But yeah. sort of like Sam Howell, you're taking, a, you're taking a big flyer on guys that haven't done it much at all in the NFL, tight end, not as important as quarterback, but it's a position nonetheless. Right. Yeah. And I, I would add to that. I mean, tight ends again, I mean, we just talked about how good this class is. This isn't a position that every single year there's like a top guy, whereas quarterbacks outside of really last year, there's almost like three or four top guys that you could kind of go through uh, and feel good about. Let's get out of here on an ownership question. Uh, you've been covering the team a lot longer than I have. Um, I actually kind of looked it up. Uh, 2005, right, is when you started covering Washington. To some degree, yeah. T yeah. 2015 is kind of when I got on full time, but yeah, 2005. And I mean, I grew up here, so it feels like yeah. it's always been the case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just thought it was interesting. I was that was my first combat tour. I was in my first combat tour in Afghanistan in 2005. I'm just like, man, that was a long, long time ago. We've we've come a long way since then, Ben. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've only been covering this team. Real, I mean, covering for for this is my second season in person. Three years writing about them, talking about them. And I feel kind of a sense of relief that this Dan Snyder stuff is coming to an end. So I can only imagine. That's why I bring up how long you've been doing this. I can only imagine how you feel about it. If the Josh Harris group is likely to be the new ownership group, which it seems like that's the direction we're going. What's the first thing 
you think they should do in the immediate aftermath? And then what's the biggest long-term project that you would, you would point their attention to? Yeah. I mean, I think they need to um, re-engage the fan base. I, I, I mean, it is, the, you know, people are, our editors or others will say, look, you want to cover a really good team or a really bad team. And people therefore say, so you must be happy, right? These teams never any good. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're, we're way past that. It's, we've not reached yeah. apathy and there's nothing worse than that. And they've got to get people to, to feel comfortable giving the, this team of their youth or the team that, you know, rooted for uh, that feel like they can emotionally hug them again, that they can come back out. I mean, it's not going to be a massive turnaround from a uh, fan perspective right off the bat, but you got to figure out ways to do that. So, you know, Josh Harris doesn't have to be Jerry Jones long-term, but he needs to be out there a little bit. This is why Magic Johnson is, a you know, such an interesting presence as well. So to me, that would be, you start there. A uh, bigger project, you know, the stadium is obviously a huge deal. If you're going to generate revenue back that after paying $6 billion for a team, that's a good way to, to do it and you know everything was was on put on pause last year so we'll be interesting to see where where jason wright fits into this he obviously was you know essentially spearheading this but it, you know we don't know what his future is with the new ownership group as well but you know long long term we got to figure out the stadium deal the good news is that all the all the jurisdictions should be more engaged because it's not dan snyder but that doesn't make it necessarily any easier to say okay well let's just go to rfk or you know, mm-hmm. stay stay where they are uh, on terms of the property. We'll we'll, we'll see. I, I'm very curious to see where Josh Harris comes down on this. Yeah, absolutely. I have a feeling that uh, we're having some conversation with Candy Waller uh, after the pre-draft press conference, and I have a feeling that as soon as that ownership change takes place, the Commonwealth of Virginia is going to come in strong uh, with something that they've probably been talking about behind closed doors. Uh, ben Standig, senior NFL writer, covering the Washington Commanders for The Athletic on Twitter at Ben Standig. And of course, find his podcast, subscribe to his podcast, Standig Room Only. Ben, I appreciate you joining us here on Locked On Commanders today. What do you have getting ready to drop as we lead up to the NFL draft? Great question. My editor would like to know that as well. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, but, uh, you know, there's already been a bunch um, up on the site, you know, big board mock drafts. Uh, oh. You mentioned the scenarios, which is a lot of fun to do. So, Definitely a lot. We'll we'll figure out some some more stuff here. Tons, of course, uh, once we get to the draft. Absolutely. It's all great stuff. Make sure you guys are checking it out again at The Athletic, on Twitter at Ben Standig, and the Standing Room Only podcast. Ben, thank you very much. Dave, thanks for having me. One more time, big thanks to Ben Standig of The Athletic, and I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Commanders your first listener, first view every single day. For my everydayers, we've got another analyst, draft analyst, national host, or a national media member from The Athletic joining us on tomorrow's episode. So make sure you come back for that. Send in your questions on mock drafts via LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com, on Twitter at dharrison82, or in the YouTube comments, or text me anytime and make sure you get my attention at 202-760-2644 via subtext. Again, if we get enough mailbag questions about the draft between now and Thursday, I will go ahead and drop a bonus mailbag draft episode uh, before the festivities kick off Thursday night. But for now, signing off, I'm David Harrison, staff writer for Commander Country, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, credential member of the media covering your Washington Commanders. More importantly, hanging out with you here five days a week, this week, more than five days a week, but more is always better. Until we speak again, if you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, and I'll see you right back here next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.